Thanks for joining us again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh, and we are here to give you something brand new, very, very exciting to finally announce. It is time to start one of the cornerstone flagship fantasy fiction franchises of all time, The Lord of the Rings. Let's go! Let's go! The time is here. I know Chase has been super excited about this. If you guys have been listening the past couple episodes, he's making he's made some references uh, towards things that are gonna kind of they left hints of what we we're gonna tackle here coming up pretty soon. And you know, it, it, it was tough, right? Because we have three major franchises that people always wanted to hear about, and that's Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings. The hard part is is like fitting all of that content into one calendar year. So what we had to do is we had to split it up and take this as our big kind of arc going here in season two of chasing josh factor fantasy so that's what we're going to be starting today we're taking the big journey with uh frodo sam and we're going to mordor with them man i'll tell you that right now so uh we're excited to take that first step today how we're going to break it down is going to be a little bit different than what we did with harry potter i know in harry potter was a lot of reading directly out of the books now what we're going to try to do here is just I will say that you know, there's some parts in the Lord of the Rings novels, if you haven't read them in a long time, there's just a lot of describing words and adjectives. And at some point, it's like, you know, it can you know, be a tough read. And so instead of just kind of giving, you know, reading it off the book, we're going to kind of go through, give our takeaways on it, how we felt about the chapter as a whole, where things are going from there, some foreshadows, some you know, explanations of where, where things are at and all that good stuff. And then, you know, we're going to kind of tackle a certain number of chapters at a time. And then we're going to go halfway through the novels. And then at that point, we're going to do a differences part one between the novel and the film because we're going to be doing the extended editions of the film. And if you've seen the extended editions of the films, you will know that they are damn near four hours long each and it would just be impossible to kind of fit that in one episode. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to break it down. I know that today we're going to tackle the first five chapters of The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, you know, we're going to get about halfway through, and then we're going to go ahead and do Differences Part 1, uh, you, know, kind of mess, you know, kind of match it up to where the film leaves off in you know, the Extended Editions Part 1. So uh, that'll be how we kind of work that going forward. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of dive in and, and have some fun with it. This is going to be one, like the, the, real, the real big monster that we slay in Season 2 here with, uh, with Jason Josh Factor Fantasy. So before we jump in and, and you know dive into the book, I'll turn it over to Chase to kind of you know get, let him know, let him tell you how excited he is to do all of this. I know that uh, he put up some social media posts and you know speaking some Elvish to you. So I figure I should uh, go ahead and turn it over to him and let him say uh, say hey. What's going on? <laughs> the moment is here. Season two, one franchise to rule them all. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm stoked for it. Uh, we've been teasing this for a long time. You know, I'm a big elf person based on just when we did The Witcher. So you really get to see me dive into, like, uh, I guess the uh, kind of species <laughs> that I like to learn about. But, you know, we put out some teasers. Our TikTok, got to give a shout out to our followers on there. You know, that's been growing a lot. And um, one thing that really y'all liked a lot i was really surprised i did uh, a three-part tiktok series which you can see on tiktok um, on our social media pages if you'd like to know a little bit more about the lord of the rings 
and how in-depth it is on the franchise. And it actually goes into speaking about the language of Elvish. And <laughs> you can actually learn how to say some basic phrases. Keep in mind, like, that's such an in-depth topic. You could look up uh, the manuscript Vinyar Tanguar that Tolkien wrote but never fully published, but you can see it online, and that goes through the entire, like, elven alphabet and the numbers and how things translate with phonetics. Um, but if you want to see some clippics, you, uh, clippets of that stuff, you can go to our social media. But yeah, man, I'm just really stoked for this one. It's such a in-depth franchise. I mean, it, it really takes me back even reminiscing to like eighth grade in my childhood, almost like in a way like Harry Potter did. So uh, just stoked to dive on into it and just ready for one hell of a ride, man. Then let's go ahead and raise the glasses up to one hell of a ride. We're gonna do, we're gonna be walking on this journey with uh, with the hobbits, and we're gonna have some fun with it, man. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Cheers. All right. So, uh, I'll go ahead and kind of start us off here before I go into the chapters. Uh, I'm gonna actually have uh, Chase read this little passage at the very, very beginning of the book before we actually talk about the chapter itself because it's uh it's very uh foreboding and and uh i, I think it's going to be a great way to kick this thing off so go ahead and take it my man let's do it man three rings for the elven kings under the sky seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone nine for mortal men doomed to die one for the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. In the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie, the Lord of the Rings. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go, baby! It's game time! Let's get an applause, man! Dude, malice in the chalice brother because dude this one is gonna be this is like that game of thrones harry potter we're on this for the long haul we're gonna do it justice man we got lots to look forward to here Let's yes do we it, do all Cheers. right let's go so to kind of start here in chapter one and the chapter one's title is called a long expected party uh to kind of go through some of the bigger key aspects of this we find out a little bit about Bilbo and how he adopted Frodo. Uh, he, I think he adopted Frodo at age 99, if I'm not mistaken. And that, uh, you know, they were preparing for this birthday party where Bilbo was going to be turning 11 So that's 111. And uh, Frodo happens to have the same exact birthday as Bilbo. And he's going to be turning 33 which is an important age for the hobbits because that's when they quote-unquote come of age is at age 33 so i thought that was pretty cool to kind of notate uh you know another thing too is like as we're going through this and we're having the preparations made for this huge party like gandalf the wizard makes his appearance so we get to see uh, our old boy gandalf back in action here uh you know i, I what i thought was kind of cool too in this first chapter is you, we kind of hear about dwarves making an appearance, you know, carrying carts and stuff. And in my mind, it been—I didn't realize that dwarves made an appearance this early in the book. I, I thought we were going to get introduced to them later on. Like they don't make a—they don't play a big role in this in the chapter at all. But they are there, and I, and they, you know, 
for me, Dwarves in the Shire kind of confused me a little bit, and I was like, what? And I was like, that's really cool. I, I didn't realize that they came up this early on. So that's one thing I, I kind of like overlooked when I was a kid. Um, on top of that, you know, Gandalf, I thought this was interesting. I, I didn't realize how long Gandalf stayed with Bilbo like, leading up to the party. In my mind, I thought like Gandalf arrived like maybe the day before the party, and then you know, he had his like, fireworks, and, and that was it. But he actually kind of stayed like, cooped up in for an like, extended amount of time, like a, like a week or so, uh, with Bilbo. So like, even longer. And I just didn't realize that you know, for him, because he's someone that seems to kind of always be on the go. So for him to be in that one spot for that long, uh, I didn't realize the exact like, length that he stayed with Bilbo leading up to the party. Now, talking about like the, the party itself, what's interesting, what hobbits do, is they actually give other people presents on their birthday so it's like a little like a uh, backwards thing and bilbo's kind of like the top dog of all the hobbits like he's the guy he he like went off on his adventure came back with all this treasure he's got a bunch of money like and so everyone's like super excited to get these presents from bilbo uh, and he's sending them out to people so i thought that was pretty cool uh we kind of hear another part too like the, the different types of hobbits there are three different types of hobbits and i thought that was interesting i guess i slipped my mind that you know, I, I always thought hobbits as a subspecies themselves. You know, that was, you know, already separated from what you would normally consider. And then on top of that, there's like three factions of those. And like they just have certain defining characteristics, right? They're all really short. Um, you know, but one's like a little bit, generally speaking, taller than the others. Like one's like lived near, like lives near water. Other ones, you know, just kind of you know, hibernate in their little holes and don't do too much other than eat and smoke. And so uh, it was just kind of cool to get, you know, certain characteristics. And I don't, I don't think it's going to play a huge role in the story going forward about like the different types of hobbits there are. But I just thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, we kind of get Bilbo has this this ring that is about to we're about to kind of figure out it has some abilities so he's given this big speech at his party that has built up this like the whole chapter is really about the party right so like he's given this huge speech at his party and you know just like to kind of go for the last little line of that this is like where he announces like his departure at like you know at length to everyone who showed up which is basically all of the shire showed up for his birthday he says i regret to announce that though as i said 111 years is far too short a time to spend among you. This is the end. I am going. I am leaving now. Goodbye. And, he, and behind his back, he put the ring on and he vanished. So we, like, we already see, like, whoa, like, what's going on? Like, that's a magic ring, obviously. He's, he disappeared. He's invisible now. Uh, where is this going to go from here? So he ends up, you know, going back to his little uh, hobbit hole uh, over at Bag End. And Gandalf's there, and he's like, Gandalf's like, uh, hey man, like, what are you, what are you doing with this ring here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, you know, he kind of starts grilling him about the ring and asking him if he's gonna leave it behind for Frodo. Bilbo kind of doesn't really want to. He's like, no, like, why would I? Like, I'm leaving Frodo everything. He can do without this ring. And Gandalf's like, nah, man, you should, you should probably, you should probably give the ring up. <laughs> and he's like, no, you're, you're trying to rob me. And then we see Gandalf get like really angry. He's like, dude, listen, like, if you continue on, like. I'm gonna say I'm, it's gonna be my turn to get angry, and it's, it's gonna be a problem. So like I'm not, I'm really not trying to like, take this from you, man. I just like I'm trying to help you. You can see like what it's doing to you. Like it has this hold on you, and you can't see it, but I can, and you're my friend, and I'm trying to help you. Like leave the ring behind, and it was like a really tough thing for Bilbo to do. Um, so he ends up going and does leave the ring behind, thankfully, you know, and 
it, it seems to have like this sort of effect on people, right? It, it, it we we see that th- this thing almost has like a mind of its own, and we'll go more into that in the, like the next chapter. But you can already see that it has it gets it gets a hold of you, <laughs> and it makes it very hard for you to you know think about anything else except the ring. And anyways, uh, you know to kind of close up like the, the chapter here, uh, Gandalf. Tells Frodo about the ring, and you know he's very like Frodo ends up becoming a master of bad again because Bilbo left everything to Frodo, uh, and Gandalf tells him, "Hey, like keep this ring safe and out of sight. Don't use it like unless it's absolutely necessary, but try not to use it at all. I, I need to go find out some you know details about it." And Gandalf kind of takes off. Um, so like then that whole thing, and I I do think that there is like that one part that's pretty important where Bilbo calls the ring his precious, and I think that is like the the like the the light bulb that goes off in Gandalf's head. Like wait a second, we might have a problem here. And uh, then he like you know that's like I said he ends up leaving uh, Frodo for the time being, and you know so that's where the kind of the thing ends off. He says hey keep it keep it out of sight man, and um, it says look out for me especially at unlikely times goodbye and so that's kind of how the first chapter ends and those are kind of like you know, my biggest takeaways from that chapter one there what about you what are the, some of the things that uh you had yeah man no i thought i thought you nailed it that was great uh one just little side note one thing that was so surprising to me because you don't get a lot of this in the movie and stuff but it even showed how like hobbits are kind of in a way selfish like remember they were demanding signatures for Bilbo's things <laughs> that he was like leaving for them. Um, uh, you know, we do get Mary that does get introduced in this chapter. So we hear about him. Uh, Gandalf does make that quote that says, keep it secret, keep it safe. And of course tells Frodo that he heard the true story of how Bilbo got the ring versus just receiving it from Gollum as a reward, which goes back into another book you can look up on your own (laughs) and uh but uh yeah just like you said gandalf takes off and then uh frodo does kind of uh, just like you were saying you're mentioning the concept of time in these first chapters and i think that is really important because even at the end of here he starts to miss bilbo because he's been gone so long uh so i think that's important but no i think he did great you want to take on chapter two yeah sounds like a plan and like this this is actually where like the time thing comes up so that was a great way to, for you to like leverage that into where we're at here for chapter two so chapter two is called the shadow of the past and the one thing i want to mention about that time is gandalf reappeared after his long absence so like basically gandalf just left Frodo. hey this ring might be an issue but don't worry man i'll, I'll come back sometime you know like, keep, keep an eye out for me no big deal and he comes back three years after for a short brief visit then goes off again and then doesn't come back for another nine years like we're talking like 12 years in total at this point in time like 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 he's basically been gone so you know when you think about it you don't think that like like Frodo was basically living his life and the ring was in existence like just whatever just chilling for over a decade and so it's something wild that you don't really seem to think about um but you know reading back through it again it's cool it's a cool point to kind of bring up so yeah Gandalf comes back and uh, we kind of get a little bit of a backstory, and we we really hear about the creation of certain rings. And so, just to read this real quick, it says, "In Aragon, long ago, many elven rings were made, magic rings as you call them, and they were, of course, of various kinds, some more important, some less. 
The lesser one's only essays in the craft before was full grown, and to Elvin Smith's they are but trifles, yet, to my mind, still dangerous for mortals. But the great rings, the rings of power, they were perilous. So we're starting to hear a little bit about these rings that are kind of come up to play and why Gandalf had to go off on his own and kind of you know, be gone for as long as he was. And uh, we, we kind of we hear that there's different types of rings. So there was three rings that were given to the elven kings. There were seven rings given to the dwarves. And there was nine rings given to the men. And we start, Gandalf's kind of going through and talking about, like, the great power of the Dark Lord Sauron and how he came to power and kind of what he's accumulated since. He never got his hands on the three elven rings. He was able to get his hands on three of the dwarf rings of power, except the other the other four of those were consumed by dragons. And then he was able to obviously ensnare all of the mortal men in their nine rings, and that's going to be a foreshadow of, you know, what we are going to talk about uh, in the next chapter. So... I thought that was pretty important to to notate there. Uh, we kind of have that that saying that that Chase brought up in the very beginning, the very first like uh, forward there that gets mentioned again as Gandalf's kind of going through the the story with him. But basically, uh, we get the whole backstory of Elendil. He was like a, like a, the, a el, like there's an elven king called Gilgalad, and then Elendil. Of Westerness, and they overthrew Sauron in that first great war. That's where we kind of get the the whole thing that um, like they were fighting it out, and Elendil gets killed, and Isildur is Elendil's son, and he ends up cutting the ring off of Sauron's hand, and he takes the ring, and he like, kind of makes his way, you know, back towards wherever he was coming from, and they were waylaid by orcs on the way there, and we see he like someone used the ring outside of Sauron for the first time. He puts it on, he goes invisible, jumps into the river, then the ring, like we start talking, almost seems like it has a mind of its own, intentionally slipped off Isildur's finger, and he reappears, and like the orc shot him dead with many arrows in the back while he was like floating in the water. And so the ring kind of passed out of like time and like memory for everybody for a very long time. Until we get another backstory here, which is really important to the, our storyline, uh, talking about these creatures that are very similar to hobbits, one of them named Smeagol, one of them named Daigle. And basically, the story of this, like, Smeagol came from, like, a very prominent house in their in their community. Like, he was, like, a very... His grandmother was, like, the matriarch of the whole everything, and she oversaw it. And so he never, like, he never wanted for anything. It's not like he was poor and, you know, was, like, like a scoundrel, like, 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 like trying to, to screw everybody over. But he was very, very, like, selfish. And they went out, like, him and Deagle went out, uh, like, fishing, and it was actually Smeagol's birthday, and one of the fish, they like, hooked onto Deagle's line, pulled him into the water, and from there, he, like, they saw the ring, grabbed the ring, pulled it up, and Smeagol's like, hey, it's my birthday, you should give me that ring, and Deagle's like, no, I gave you a present already, and it was already a pretty expensive one, like, I'm, I'm definitely gonna keep this ring, Smeagol's like, ah, no, you're not, and then they get into, like, a little altercation, and then Smeagol killed him, choked him right out, strangled him with his own hands, and then took the ring. And then he became like a real true menace because he started to use the ring on it and he would become invisible and he would spy on people, learn people's secrets and use them against each other and blackmail them and all that. And so he became so hated that his grandmother kicked him out and said, dude, you got to go, man. And so he leaves and he ends up becoming more of like the golem creature that we get to know 
more of in the series. He like it, he doesn't like the sun. He doesn't like the moon. Like like it burns him. Uh, you know the light of it is. So he starts living in the caves. He starts eating like finding fish and eating them raw with his bare hands after he kills them. And you know he basically kind of lives like an animal and becomes somewhat of an animal himself. And that's kind of like the backstory of you know where like the ring got the Smeagol. And then obviously we hear about like how Bilbo got the ring from Smeagol last chapter, right? So we don't really have to go into that. But that's kind of the whole storyline. And that's what Gandalf was off doing, trying to put the pieces together of the timeline of how the hell it got from Isildur and how it got all the way down to Bilbo and where now Frodo has this ring. And he's not really sure. if He's like, he's like pretty sure that it's the right ring, but he doesn't quite know just yet. And that's when they throw the ring into that little, like, fire and... Uh, Chase said like the name of the uh, language that it's in. I don't remember what the name of the language is, but that's where we get the... the go ahead and... What is the name of that language, brother? Do you know? Uh, so, the in-depth answer to that is there's two different languages. Cinderin is the normal language of Middle-earth, so that's what that's written in. Um, that is the way it's spoken. The way it's written is actually called Tanguar, in, but... Uh, Quinya, if people are just on a side note, that's what you have like Galadriel, we'll talk about later, like the High Elves uh, will speak because long story short is Cinderin was derived from Quinya, but basically easiest way to think of it Quinya is almost like the old Latin language that's like starting to die out where it's been changed over the years. Oh, okay, cool, awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, so then we he puts that in the fire there and we kind of get that whole message that lines up across the the ring and so we know for sure that this is the ring of power and you know that's like this is the story of how it got to where it's at now uh so gandalf basically tells him like dude like what are, like he's like there's only one way to destroy this ring we got to go to the cracks of mountain doom i thought this was like kind of cool too like we kind of hear about certain things that that don't ever really come to play again but he's talking about like how to destroy this ring and Frodo's like, we gotta destroy it. Like, I'm gonna throw it in the fire. And this is another thing too. Like, the ring didn't allow Frodo to do it. He like he opened, he like took it out of his pocket, looked at it, and he got so entranced by how beautiful it was, like the perfect circle and smooth the edges. Like, I, and then like all of a sudden he it comes back to himself and he put the ring back in his pocket. Couldn't even try to harm it. But and then Gandalf says, it doesn't matter if you try to harm it or not. Like, there's no tool that you could use. Like that fire wouldn't do anything. Even Ankalog and like the the great black dragon couldn't with his like fire couldn't destroy this ring there's only one way to do it and it's like cracks of mount doom and that's basically like we gotta we gotta destroy this thing like you gotta get it out of the shire like they know where you're at like they we tortured they, they tortured Gollum, and they know that you are here so you my friend you gotta you gotta get to walking <laughs> you gotta you gotta get out of here <laughs> so uh you know he tries to kind of give him an idea of where he wants him to go um but yeah, so that's kind of like my, my takeaways there in chapter two is that, you know, basically we get the backstory of the ring, kind of where it's at now. And we kind of, Gandalf tells us, like, you're not safe. Like, uh, we also kind of got a foreshadow of uh, Saruman and also of Aragorn as well because they had to track Gollum. And he said, my good friend Aragorn uh, was the one that kind of brought Gollum back and where he got, like, the, the information out of him. So. I thought that was pretty cool. We got a quick little, like, you know, foreshadow of two really important characters going forward, Saruman the White and also Aragorn. 
Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Chase so he can kind of give his takeaways for Chapter 2 before we move on into Chapter 3. Yeah, no, I mean, you uh, you did that perfect. Um, I mean, the only I really only had a couple more takeaways from that. Just, just know that, remember, uh, Frodo tried to hand the ring to Gandalf, and he thought it was too tempting to take, so he couldn't, so I thought it was big because you kind of think of, you know, Gandalf is kind of like the Dumbledore of this story, right? If Gandalf can't handle this ring, like, think of what that says to Frodo. Like, why would you think I would be able to handle that? It's <laughs> like a hobbit, right? Like, think of that. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. And then, of course, remember, uh, he hears Sam eavesdropping. That's like told the, heard the entire story. Like, he's like, what did you hear, Samwise Gamgee? And he's like, oh, nothing, sir. Just a little bit about some elves, a ring <laughs> that can be destroyed in Mordor. Basically, the entire story. <laughs> so that's how Sam gets brought in to be. Uh, and, and just like you said, then, you know, they kind of go about their their merry way. He's not here yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and that leads us into Chapter 3, man. But I thought it was perfect. Yeah, good call with that Sam thing because that's where he kind of gets roped into going on this journey with Frodo. And he ends up being like obviously a real integral part of everything that's to come. So really great point there. Uh, so the next chapter, chapter three, is called Three is Company. And in Three is Company, this is where we kind of start making our way out of the Shire. Now Gandalf kind of tells them, uh, you know, if I were you, he's like, cause he's, he. He's very talks and riddles sometimes, like not quite as much as elves do. But he's like, I'm not telling you what to do, but if you want my advice, I'd maybe make for Rivendell. It's like so they think like Rivendell gets brought in there at the very beginning here at at uh, chapter three, and so uh, what ends up happening is Frodo decides he's got to sell Bag End, and he sells him to the old nemesis, the Sackville Bagginses. Uh, he can't stand them; he doesn't like those guys, uh, but they are they're very happy to get their hands on on Bag End. And the, the story that's going around and what they want the story to go around anyways is that he's moving like to Crick Hollow and like in Buckland, which is another part of the Shire, like really far away. And, you know, they, they, the thought is that he ran out of like Bilbo's money. And that's like what the story is they're trying to do. So he has to go live more humbly in another area, like a, like a location, you know, wherever. So that's the story that that's going out. So that way people don't kind of question the fact that he just left Bag End. Um, and this is a really interesting part too, because as we're kind of going through it, like they are um, kind of packing up everything going on. This is where uh, Mary, like you said, Mary kind of makes his first appearance in here, and also uh, Fatty Bolger, which is his real name is Fredegar Bolger. He makes his appearance here as well, talking about how we're, they're going to have the house set for when you finally do arrive. And so, like, like they all set out like ahead of time, but um, basically Pippin. Sam and Frodo, they head out a little bit afterwards because they, 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 they had to have stuff moved, you know, from Bag End to Crick Hollow, and so that had that was a whole process. But uh, yeah, anyways, they, we got, we get also hear this creepy thing going on between Sam Gamgee's dad and this unexpected visitor who comes in and he's asking about Frodo and Sam's dad has to tell him that hey he he's moved out of Bag End he doesn't live here anymore and like the thing gave like a low hiss he's like it hissed at me that thing did and like the reason why I I think that's important is because these things come up to play here in this chapter a little bit later on but just think about that is that 
you know, it, it gave out like a low hiss, and so that doesn't sound too uh, too human of anything. I'll say that. Um, so they they set out on their journey. They're officially on the road to go uh, to to Buckland and that Crick Hollow where the the house is, and they start uh, they start on there. And then this is kind of what I kind of took away from this chapter. Tell me if I'm wrong, bro. Like. I really found out how much and how often hobbits like to eat. Like they, they stop like yeah, so they, they stop so many times like to have like like dinner and supper and breakfast and like like snacks and stuff. Like they they stop and eat a lot and like they they even make songs about you know, food and, and all that. So I just thought that was really really funny that they just they really are uh, obsessed with food and they, they eat a lot and they're tiny little things too. So you wouldn't you wouldn't think that you know they're like under four foot tall. I think they're like you know two what i don't know two seven to like three six or something so i don't know man like they're very they're very small uh creatures so you didn't think they could eat that much but they can put away some food man they can, they can put away some food um and then this is where we get something really like this is a where something really big happens they're on the road here and they've been traveling by the road because you know they don't think anything of it they don't realize that they, they know that they need to leave, but they don't really understand the danger they're in at this point, I don't think. And this is kind of where we really first get a look at something pretty creepy. So, so uh, Sam tells them, I can hear a pony or a horse coming along the road behind. And they, they, they look back and they were wondering if it was Gandalf like that's finally catching up with them. Because Gandalf said like he was going to show up and take this journey with them. And they waited as long as they could. And then he didn't show up. He's like, shit, like, we got to get going. Because this is when Gandalf said, I've got to make my move by. And so... Uh, they were like they wanted they were supposed to like that's a big point like like Gandalf is missing <laughs> like he's supposed to be there with them on this journey on like on going from where they are and eventually going to Rivendell he's supposed to be there and joining them and he's not there and so they think that it might be Gandalf finally catching up with them and it turns out it was not it said around the corner came a black horse no hobbit pony but a full-size horse and on it sat a large man who seemed to crouch in the saddle wrapped in a great black cloak and hood so that only his boots and the high stirrups showed below his face was shadowed and invisible and when it reached the tree and was level with frodo the horse stopped the riding figure sat quite still with its head bowed as if listening from inside the hood came a noise as if someone was sniffing to catch an elusive scent the head turned from side to side like that's so creepy like uh, that's we, we've now been introduced to the black riders and like the reason i pointed that out before that's about the hiss this coming kind of full circle here is that the, we realize there's something unhuman about these things like there's some level of supernatural to these black riders and they have some crazy abilities and like you know that they they can do quite a bit, and we're going to find out more about them, but they're a very dangerous adversary, but this is where we kind of really first see them, quote-unquote, in action, looking for the hobbits. So now I think they start to realize the kind of trouble they're actually in. Like, now they're like, okay, like, all right, now we got to start getting off the road. And so they start taking uh, other other areas here. And, like, that's another thing, too, like, with this, the quote-unquote, trip or journey, the amount of times the Black Riders almost caught them was so many more times in the book than it was in the film. And the film was just that one time though i guess technically two times the one time where he like threw the bag down the way and like that's how he got rid of it and then the other time when they ran to the 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 ferry and jumped on the boat and talking about the film here that's like the two times but in this in this novel like the black riders were on their ass and almost got them i think three or four times if i'm not mistaken because like they were wondering if it was just one if it was two and then uh it, 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 it was on their trail for quite some time so i'm just gonna say that for now 
uh, kind of going a little bit further than that, uh, they they start this is like they start singing this weird song. Then uh, <laughs> it's about talking about going like you know eating and, and kind of resting and going to bed. Like then they have to find like this tree or this open area or that's covered open area that's covered that made no sense but they like find this area where they can rest and, and sleep the night and this is what's kind of cool here is they're about to kind of go to bed and then they hear song but in the song it's not in like the regular language and frodo hears it and he knows a little bit of this elvish language because bilbo had taught him and so for the first time in Lord of the Rings here, like, the elves make their appearance, and they see, like, we see them, uh, they're marching in, like, a big group, and they're, and they're walking towards a certain direction, and the, the song, then, as close as it can translate, that Frodo could tell us, it says, Snow White, Snow White, O Lady Clear, O Queen Beyond the Western Seas, O Light to Us That Wander Here Amid the World of Woven Trees, Gothoniel, O Ibereth, Clear are thy eyes and bright thy breath. Snow white, snow white, we sing to thee in a land far beyond the sea. O stars that in the sunless year with shining hand byre were sown, in windy fields now bright and clear, we see your silver blossom blown. O Elbereth Gilthoniel, we still remember, we who dwell in this far land beneath the trees, thy starlight on the western seas. And so these are what they call high elves. They spoke the name of Elbereth. So this is kind of what Chase was talking about. There's the different types of elves like like regular common and then like the high the high elves so uh we get them for the very very first time and so they uh they meet up with them and frodo kind of impresses them he speaks a little bit of that ancient language and they're like oh don't don't tell any secrets he'll he'll be able to tell everything you know just joking around and kind of being friendly with them and uh this is like the time where they they talk to frodo a little bit about like the journey like this these are the ones that really speak in riddles i said gandalf kind of did but they were he's like they're kind of telling frodo yes and no at the same time about a lot of stuff and he's just very confused because all he wants is a little bit of answers like he tries to ask about the black riders and he's like well didn't gandalf tell you about those and he's like not really he's like well then i'm not going to tell you about it either like he's like it's just not uh they just not they're, they're they're really cool but um it just seems it says like here's the actual quote it says it is also said, go not to the elves for counsel, for they will say both no and yes. And then like the elf laughed. He's like, elves seldom give unguarded advice, for advice is a dangerous gift, even from the wise to the wise, and all courses may run ill. So that's kind of why they are talking about that. But basically, they meet up with the elves here, and all they wanted to do was like, have a safe place to sleep. And, wanted, and But then when they saw them, they wanted to join up with them. And when they realized a little bit about their mission... They were at first they didn't want to then to travel with them and they're like hey we've got to kind of take care of these guys for just a little bit of their journey here and so they uh that is where i kind of cut off for uh chapter three is like them sleeping safely and soundly with the elves and yeah i'll turn it over to you for your takeaways yeah man and by the way to answer your question about hobbits earlier so they actually described that in the prologue it says they're a little bit smaller than dwarves and are two and four feet of measure. But in ancient days, hobbits were taller, according to the Red Book by Barnabas Took, um, which in the ancient days, they were four foot five and able to ride a horse. And to answer your question, they eat six meals a day, <laughs> is what it says. So that was straight from the book. But 
Yeah, it's so they're small little things. Um, in this chapter, in chapter 3-3, his company, one of the elves that was there that was talking to them is Gildor. And Frodo meets Gildor. And this is the part I wanted to say, because um, at kind of towards the end of this chapter, we actually get a little glimpse of Rivendell that he tells him about. And he says, uh, so I am Gildor, answered the leader, the elf who had first hailed him. Gildor and Glorian of the House of Finrod. We are exiles, and most of our kindred have long ago departed, and we are too now only tarrying here a while ere we return over to the Great Sea. But some of our kinsfolk dwell still in peace in Rivendell. So it was cool to actually hear that because that's going to come up uh, much later on. But one thing I just wanted to say as far as takeaways. They kept trying to ask Gildor about what he thought of the Black Riders, and he was saying that they're just an enemy, and he won't speak of them anymore. Um, and Gildor said to Frodo, he said, Ellen Silla Lumen Omentilivo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting, and he added in high elven speech, which is kind of like in the ancient tongue. Basically, it it just means like come and join our company and stuff but they're it was interesting seeing them actually like embrace hobbits for once being in such a high stature there so just a couple little takeaways there but the biggest thing about what gildor was saying that i took away was it's it shows like how dark they think of like the black riders which we don't know a whole lot about them yet um and then in the last kind of paragraph here um gildor even says he uh, makes this little comment to frodo and says peril is before you and behind you on the other side so it's kind of like a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to come on this long journey that these hobbits are about to have and then at the end of uh, this is in my book i have the second edition so it could be different in yours but in this chapter um but in this chapter, towards the very end, Frodo mentions that Gandalf hasn't returned, and Gildor says it does not bode well to meddle in the affairs of wizards. So this gives us a big kind of thought of, you know, maybe Gandalf isn't just over there uh, playing cards in Vegas. Like, maybe he's actually getting some shit done at this moment. And um, then Gildor tells Frodo, uh, once again, it like to speak no words of the black riders so that's just like the biggest takeaway i had if like if these high elves are not willing to even talk about the black riders like they must have some really dark stuff <laughs> going on here and that was my takeaways for chapter three man yeah and to touch on that real quick before we jump into chapter four uh like to, to kind of clear up on that what they were talking about because i think that is the biggest thing i took away from this is that the elves are leaving like they're they're right. like heading across there so like they they're like nah screw this place like it's getting dark yeah. again we're, we're out like you guys have fun dealing with this shit we're <laughs> we're out of here uh but also that he was at like gildor was honestly a little concerned that gandalf wasn't there like they, they kind of mm -hmm. read that directly from there he's like these things gandalf must know i suppose that you will see him before you leave the shire and frodo says i hope so but that is another thing that makes me anxious i have been expecting gandalf for many days he was to have come to Hobbiton at the latest two nights ago, but he never appeared. And now I'm wondering what can have happened. Should I wait for him? So Gildor was silent for a moment and says, I do not like this news. So 
that Gandalf should be late does not bode well. So that's like that. That's pretty yeah, scary that's stuff, man. <laughs> like so, it's like all right. Uh, but yeah, and so to kind of jump in here to chapter four. Chapter four is called "A Shortcut to Mushrooms." This is like they wake up from their nice little nap with the elves and say, "Okay, let's get this show on the road." And what was very nice of them actually is like the elves left them like some types of food and some drink, and like the drink, it kind of revitalized them and gave them some sort of energy. So it was like almost like a it had it had some restorative properties. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so we keep on on the journey here. Uh, they said going forward that they've got to they want to kind of take a they're, they're in two different mindsets because then another black rider or maybe the same black rider who knows at this point they finds their trail again and so they kind of have to make a decision about are we, can we take the shortcut through this area but if we take this shortcut it's going to be hard walking like it's gonna you know we might get lost along the way and you know because it gets going like through brush and stuff but like if they keep following along the side of the roads like they are very nervous that one of the black riders is finally going to catch them so they decide to uh go the long way or i guess the short way but like technically it's going to kind of you know it's going to hinder their their going forward but i you said <laughs> You think uh, what Pippin says in there? Like, my laugh. He's like, "If we're going to try and get back on course, he must cross the runs and bear right." Um, he was he was talking a little bit about like how before they're gonna go further from here, we need to like stop and eat. So like I just think it's funny that these damn things they love to eat like all the time. So uh, they end up going through there. Uh, long story short, this chapter is actually one of like the shorter ones, but basically it's. Uh, they they end up getting through the trail, finally get back on course, and they end up in like uh, uh, Farmer Maggot's like I don't know if I call it farm or house or whatever it may be, but they get to like his his house, his farm, whatever you want to call it. And it, first, Fro is kind of nervous because like, like years ago he tried to steal some of his mushrooms, and like that's another thing. Like these like mushrooms are something very important to these hobbits. Like I guess that I don't know, it's a it's a rare treat or something. But I guess uh, Farmer Maggot caught him stealing mushrooms from him before. And it's funny because I don't know we'll kind of talk about this and like the differences thing. But if you guys remember, uh, that's where that Merry and Pippin kind of ended up on the journey in the films. Is like they were stealing crops from Farmer Maggot. But it was different. Like, they had like corn and stuff in their hands. But it's just a completely different situation uh, than here. Like um, Frodo was nervous to go say, like, say hey to him and like meet him because he's like, shoot. He almost sicked his dogs on me. Like Farmer Maggot's known for his like big dogs that are well, well trained, and like he actually had Frodo chased out of his area by the, the dogs like nipping at his heels, and so he's always been a little bit nervous. And keep in mind, again, like, the hobbits are small, so these dogs are probably like looking them in the eye. You know what I mean? So I thought that was kind of cool. But yes, they uh, they finally get to the farmer, and like Farmer Maggot tells them that the black like some of the black riders like showed up. And apparently they are already know that he's supposed to be in Crickhowl. Like they know he's moving. So like this whole secrecy thing of trying to convince everybody that he ran out of money and that he's going to move. Like it's supposed to kind of get people not you know as like it's not that important that he's just leaving and you know hopefully stay somewhat secret. 
but it didn't at all. Like, like they know where he's going. They're on his trail, like, and they can smell something. I don't know if they can. <laughs> I don't know if they like dog. Like, like these black riders got scents like dogs, where they can track you by your by your scent. Who knows? But long story short, on that is that you know they showed up into the part of the area that he's supposed to be going to, and so they have to make this decision. And uh, like at least like Farmer Maggot didn't tell the, the black riders you know where they like the the house that he got was, and that that was great. They have another dinner, which is really nice of them, and <laughs> they're eating again, and then they, like Mr. Uh, like uh, Farmer Maggot decides he's gonna actually transport them just for safety reasons with his dogs and his horses uh, to the ferry, which they'll take, you know, going towards like the house that they need to go to, and um, this is where we get reintroduced to Mary because Mary was not part of this journey up until this point in terms of walking with uh, Pippin. And Frodo and Sam, but he like like another rider comes down the road. Uh, Mr. Maggot thinks it's a black riders, and he's got like his dogs like ready and bracing. Like there's like a fear in his voice, and he's not someone that's typically afraid. So it kind of makes Frodo and Sam and all them nervous that he like you know is kind of acting they got a little a little scared. And they basically he, he yells out to the rider on the road and ends up being Mary. Ends up being Mary. He's like, who'd you think it was? <laughs> so uh, that's where uh, that kind of leaves off. They end up kind of uh, saying goodbye to Farmer Maggot, and uh, it was kind of funny, like like a full circle moment when he said goodbye to Farmer Maggot. He gave him stuff from Mrs. Maggot, his wife, and it was uh, a thing of um, mushrooms, like a big a big basket of mushrooms. Because <laughs> he's like he, he's like a little a little jab at him, like yeah, we know you like our mushrooms. You tried to steal them many years ago, Mr. Baggins. He but here you go, here here's for your road. So now basically at the end of this chapter, where we're at. Is we've got Mary, Pippin, Sam, and Frodo together. They're at the ferry and they're taking like the boat to where they, they need to be. And so that was my takeaways of chapter four. What about you, man? Yeah, man, it was great. Um, one thing I do want to say when they wake up, remember just the elves are entirely gone. Yeah, no shots for you guys tonight. No completely <laughs> here. <laughs> Anyways, but they're just gone and they left them all the food there that they could eat. Uh, so, you know, something's kind of up with them. Another thing I do want to say is we do actually get Sam's kind of famous iconic quote that you usually hear in the films a lot. On my book, it's page 96, but it's kind of early on in the chapter. But Frodo was debating whether or not to keep like Sam and the others on the adventure and like was thinking about doing just it on his own. And this is where you get this iconic line from. That's kind of derived from in the movies. But you go, Frodo says... It is going to be very dangerous, Sam. How do I do my Frodo voice? Sam. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is already dangerous. Most likely, neither of us will come back. And then Sam. Here comes Sam. <laughs> if you don't come back, sir, then I shan't. That's certain, said Sam. Don't you leave him, they said to me. Leave him, I said. I never meant to. I'm going with him if he climbs to the moon and if any of those black riders try to stop him, they'll have Sam Gamgee to reckon with, I said. And they laughed. So that's kind of like, you had that iconic line in the films I wanted to mention where he's like, and I don't mean to. <laughs> I don't mean to. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, and then the only other part I wanted to mention, you, you brought this up really well, but it was just like kind of the conversation between the ba black rider and Mr. Maggot some of these names are interesting like mr maggot like that's what you came up with just throwing that out there <laughs> what was the other dude's name 
Fatty, uh, oh, Fatty we'll Bulger? talk about him later. Yeah. Fatty Bulger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, talking to Jane Ellie today, and I was like, I'm not trying to make fun of people, but that's actually what his name was. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Well, like, that's that's names. actually his nickname. His name was uh, Frederick, I think, or something like that, or Fate, Fate or something. But he was he was brought actually brought up earlier because he actually helped Mary pack some of their stuff uh, in, in there. So it was, uh, I, I believe, let me go ahead and see if I can find it. But it was, like, Frederick or something like that. But they call it, yeah, here it is. Uh, Fredegar. It was, his name's Fredegar Bolger, but they call him Fatty. So, like, gotcha. they call him Fatty <laughs> Bolger. Yep, there it is. Some of these names, man. Anyways, uh, so the conversation I just thought was really interesting because, like we were saying, it's not human. And he says, good day to you. And you really see how Mr. Maggot stands up for these people. Says, good day to you. I say going out to him. This lane don't lead anywhere. Wherever you may be going, your quickest way will be back to the road. I didn't like the looks of him. When Grip came out, he took out one sniff and let out a yelp if he had been stung. He put down his tail and bolted off howling. The black fellow sat quite still. I come from yonder, he said, slow and stiff-like, pointing back west over my fields, if you please. Have you seen Baggins? He asked in a queer voice and bent down towards me. I could not see any face for his hood fell down so low and I felt a sort of shiver down my back. But I did not see why he should come riding over my land so bold. Be off, I said. There are no baggins here. You're in the wrong part of the shire. You had better go back west of Hobbiton, but you can go by road this time. Baggins has left, he answered in a whisper. He is coming. He is not far away. I wish to find him. If he passes, will you tell me? I will come back with gold. No, you won't, I said. You'll go back where you belong. Double quick. I give you one minute before I call all my dogs. He gave a sort of hiss. It might have been laughing, and it might have not. Then he spurred his great horse right at me, and I jumped out of the way only just in time. I called the dogs... But he swung off and rode through the gate and up the lane towards the causeway like a bolt of thunder. What do you think of that? So I just thought that was cool. Like, I mean, a uh, hobbit guy going against the black rider. Like, he definitely has some guts here. Like, get on out of here, you get. <laughs> so I, I thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it was a pretty... It was a pretty... Sh- <laughs> I mean... That's the thing. Like, it wasn't, like, a short chapter, but, like, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, stuff going on. But it was it was good. So, yeah, man, you want to take us away for chapter five? Sounds like a plan. And, like, to talk about that as well, too, like, this last chapter, chapter five that we're going to do tackle today, it's only got ten pages in it. It's 111 to 122. Uh, so, like, I guess 11 yeah. pages. But uh, it's a short chapter as well. And the biggest thing that I took away from the Conspiracy Unmasked, because obviously they end up getting to the house that he purchased there at Crick Hollow. I thought it was really nice that what Mary and Fatty Bolger did was they tried to make the place look exactly like Bag End for Frodo. Like, as close as they possibly could, put all the stuff in the same type of areas and help it make, make it feel like more at home for him. And as soon as they got there, remember they just ate dinner with uh, Farmer Maggot and his wife. And he goes... Uh, we had our supper early with Farmer Maggot, said Frodo, but we could do with another. And he said, you, and then Mary says, you shall have it. Give me that basket and rode ahead into the darkness. So, like, 
Like they're, they're doing, they suffer back to back. Like it's really funny. But anyways, uh, the other takeaways I really have in this, the biggest things, uh, honestly, at, at length, and it's that pretty much is it for me, is that they all knew all along that Frodo was planning on leaving for good. Like not, like neither like Fatty Bolger, Mary, Pippin, or Sam believed. And obviously Sam knew like from the beginning. But none of them believed that he was just going to retire and ran out of the money and he was just going to like live in this area. So what ended up happening is they kind of confront him about it. And Sam, Sam was doing some dirty uh, secret telling. And, uh, you know, but, but basically it's because they wanted to be like they are his true friends. And so they decide to kind of go on their own to come up with a plan that they are going to stick with Frodo all the way through. They, you know, you're going, we're going, and so that was my biggest takeaway. You know, the the, the, the chapter title, of "Conspiracy Unmasked." The, what the conspiracy was is that they knew the entire time that what what they what Frodo was planning on doing. Like Mary had like ponies already saddled up with like food and everything, and like they already had answers to all his like worries about them going with him. And they did. Like we're like we knew this ahead of time. We are prepared. Like we can be out of here in an hour if we have to. And I thought that was really cool and. You know, that, that's what this whole chapter was really about. It showed true friendship. Like, they are now going to be a, a party of four. Fatty Boulder's not going. He's he's going to stick around. <laughs> and, like, he's going to try to sell the story that uh, Frodo's there living at Krakow. And that, you know, if the Black Riders come back, that's what they can tell him. So, to kind of throw him off the trail of where they're actually going. But this is where we've got uh, the big four. We've got the four hobbits. we get Sam, Frodo, Pippin, and Merry all now officially together and with the understanding that we're sticking this thing out uh at least like to this point through rivendell because you know that's where frodo has to get the ring to is rivendell you know and whatever happens from there we will tackle later on but uh you know that's true friendship they they know the kind of things that are following frodo they know these black riders are you know less than human they're scary and they're being pursued and they don't care and they're only hobbits they're not warriors dude they're like you said their height range is like minuscule right hey so you know, I thought that was a big show of courage, big show of friendship, and you know, it was kind of funny that they did all this behind Frodo's back, and they basically double-crossed the double-crosser. Like, not saying like Frodo was did anything bad, but he was gonna lie to them and then sneak out, uh, you know, and then they're like, "Haha, we actually got you because you're not sneaking out because we've been knowing, and you're we're coming with you." So that's that's how that's gonna be, and so that's kind of why I took away from chapter five. What were your takeaways? Yeah, man, I think you nailed it. Like, that was perfect. The only thing I wanted to mention was uh, we do get a foreshadowing at the very end of the chapter, which yep. Frodo does have a dream, so I did want to mention that. So I'll read this just because it's it's it kind of reminded me of, like, Harry Potter in a way, like when we were reading the books there, and he was having all the dreams that were happening because you do kind of get this sense of foreshadowing here. But it says, When at last he had got to bed, Frodo could not sleep for some time. His legs ached. He was glad that he was riding in the morning. Eventually, he fell into a vague dream in which he seemed to be looking out of a high window over a dark sea of tangled trees. Down below among the roots, there was the sound of creatures crawling and snuffling. He felt sure they would smell him out sooner or later. Then he heard a noise in the distance. At first, he thought it was a great wind coming over the leaves of the forest. Then he knew that it was not leaves, but the sound of the sea far off. A sound he had never heard in waking life, though it had often troubled his dreams. Suddenly he found he was out in the open. There were no trees after all. He was on a dark heath, and there was a strange salt smell in the air. 
Looking up, he saw before him a tall white tower, standing alone on a high ridge. A great desire came over him to climb the tower and, to, and see the sea. He started to struggle up the ridge towards the tower, but suddenly a light came in the sky and there was a noise of thunder. So it's definitely a foreshadowing. I'm actually going to pull the great debate card on this one. Haven't had that one in a long time, man. Let's get a get a drink going while we debate this bad boy. It's really funny because we have a debate in literally every single episode. So even though we don't really play the card anymore because we already have the debate portion of it, it's oh, nice yeah, to well see played. the old it's nice to see the old cards come back into play every once in a while. So cheers, buddy. <laughs> cheers, brother. So I guess, yeah, man, I'll kick us off on the debates then, I guess. My big debate here is, I don't want to give anything away, but do you think this is the big enemy foreshadowing, or do you think this is like Saruman the White or something like that? It's really funny. I guess we're both going to knock out our debates in the same one because it's we have the same debate. What you what do you think that this dream is foreshadowing? You know that that's my debate too. And so if you if you want my answer to it, uh, like here's the thing, I think that the White Tower symbolizes Saruman, and it him walking towards it, and then all of a sudden getting lightning in the sky and a big rolling thing of thunder might mean someone who was once uh, on on the good side may kind of be going dark and that's that you know that's what I'll say there but I also think and if I'm going a little bit deeper I also think you know and it could potentially you know we where we don't know at this point where Gandalf is and it's very very possible that maybe this dream was provided to him and maybe to give give Frodo an idea of where some somebody is and like you know and, and why they have yet to join join up with him. I think that could be it. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just me kind of really thinking into it. And I know it's just probably not like at all what the foreshadow was, but I do think uh, like that is a possibility. Um, you know, of a couple different things. I don't know. What do you think? I have a very interesting take on it, and this is going to be way looking way too in depth for this stuff. My thoughts, and I don't want to give anything away, but. My thoughts on this is, I think it's Saruman's tower. However, we know Saruman's tower isn't that color. So my thought on this is, there could very well be someone that comes back <laughs> and happens to refer to themselves as somewhat of that, that description there. <laughs> so it could be foreshadowing a major event in this book and the next book of death and rebirth in a way, um, which is really thinking in depth with it. But in my mind, I think it's really more of a foreshadowing of a Saruman's tower. Yeah. Right. Cause like we obviously know, and, and it's funny cause the title of the second book is called the two towers. So we know that Sauron has that big dark black tower and Sauron right. has like the the White Tower, and so um, I I think that it has something to do with that. Like that's that's my thought on on it. Um, 
But yeah, I, and like like I said, like I love to kind of overthink and kind of dive into it just to see if I pick up on anything at all, or if I'm just throwing like knives in the dark. So like when I say that, like I think you know, um, obviously we know Gandalf's not with the party, and there's a reason why he's stuck somewhere, and you know, that place, that White Tower, seemed like somewhere that Frodo wanted to get to, but then it kind of was like dark and foreboding, so it could have been like a signal or a sign that um, you know someone was delayed uh due to events yeah. at, at that area i don't know for sure but uh i just kind of put it in there but now yeah, that's awesome that's what that was my debate too so i think <laughs> i think that's Perfect, you know, where man. we're at dude that's dope quick question on that real quick though do you think in any way it could possibly foreshadow someone's fate and you know where i'm coming from but we don't want to give anything away yeah uh mm. I just don't know what part of that would bring me to think of that specifically. You know, like the, the tower thing in the areas and who's what, like the, the mm-hmm. darkness and the thunder rolling makes me think something from going from good to bad. Like I can, I can draw that comparison. Right. Yeah. I just don't know if I can draw a conclusion from what we saw in that dream and like the description in the paragraph to death and rebirth and, and things of that nature so like, I, I i don't see that but uh like maybe if you explain it like what what makes you see like that could be a potential i don't want to give anything away just uh and i i don't honestly like i think this is reading way too much into it i think this really because we know saruman's tower is white so i think that's really just what it's foreshadowing in saruman's tower but you can make an argument now that gandalf is left and he did mention Saruman the White. You could make an argument, since we know he's Gandalf the Grey, like it could foreshadow like more power to come, is what you could make potentially the argument in potential character arcs. But we'll leave that out of it, because it's looking a little bit too much in-depth for it, in my opinion, and we don't want to give anything away. <laughs> it's kind of really big. But a uh, couple side notes before we wrap up here. One thing I thought was really cool. I was watching a interview uh, with Viggo Mortensen and Orlando Bloom and Elijah Wood. And they were saying that the um, main people of the film that formed like the fellowship, which that's not giving anything away. You can literally look on my poster in the back here. But they all got uh, a Tanguar tattoo that was um you know i said tanguar is elvish writing and it says the one ring to rule them all so even to this day the original uh fellowship cast has that tattoo which is amazing that some of the actors and how far they've gone over the years which this was like orlando bloom this was his first role he ever did so it's just wild to think that uh you know something that's such a big franchise like this has been carried on uh so far so i just wanted to throw that out there but yeah, man, it's going to be an awesome ride. Do you want to kind of wrap us up here today? Yeah, absolutely. I think this has been a fun one. I'm looking forward to kind of continue it in. And like I said, we'll we'll tackle different numbers of chapters for things that kind of make sense so we can, can you know leave off on like parts that either foreshadow something heavy or very exciting parts and you know, just kind of keep it fresh and interesting going forward. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Chase has mentioned it a couple times about you know the TikTok and the social media posts that he's been putting up. So if you guys do want to go ahead and do us a favor, uh, follow us on social media. We have plenty of sites. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus, uh, on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. We have a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We have our own website. It's just ridiculous Patronus.blogspot.com. 
Uh, you can find us uh, on a backup uh, Instagram page at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. A backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We're on Twitter at RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat RP Factor Fantasy. So all those social sites, do us a favor, uh, give us a follow uh, on the podcast, give us a like, subscribe, leave reviews. Uh, if you know if you're an iPhone user, when it comes to the podcast itself, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can follow us on Google Play or Spotify. Uh, we're also on iHeartRadio. We're on Audible. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Podbean. Wherever you get your podcast. Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there, but we're out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy signing, signing off. off.